transferring to you. Oh, that's handy. Right, that is now rolling again. Um, ready when you are then, Jack. Uh, let me get my script back up. Uh, okay. All good, mate? Yeah, go for it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Reeve and Bloom show. Myself, Jack Reeve and Benjamin Bloom uh, taking a look at all things football, what's going on in the world during lockdown and just having a general chit chat. Um, mate, how are you? It's been, a, it's been a little while since we last spoke and, and a lot has happened, hasn't there? Yeah, a few work negotiations this end and um, I think you've had the same, haven't you? And um, I don't know what's worse, Jack. My Twitter feed being full of football supporters moaning about football and my Twitter feed being full of football supporters moaning about politics this weekend oh, seems to have taken over. It's funny, isn't it? Because when sort of Brexit was getting to a close, we thought, what, what is the kind of the, the, the news outlets going to talk about? And then COVID came and it's like, oh my goodness. And this whole Dominic Cummings thing, I mean, we, we, let's not get too political on here, but it's been a, a bit of a mess, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I... Uh, not not to defend Mr. Cummings, but I think everyone's a bit unsure and a bit scared. And um, some people need somebody to love, but some people need somebody to lash out at sometimes. And I think Mr. Cummings has got the angst of um, a lot of people. But as you say, this is a football chat, not a political one. And um, please don't judge my political allegiances. I don't have any as far as this is concerned. Yeah, it's it, the thing that I haven't quite understood. Like he did what he did, just apologise, and and people, even if he thinks he was in the right, just apologise, and people forget very quickly. Like there would be a different person to for people to be having a pop at in in two days. But he's not apologising, and I'm sure it will rumble on. But as things, as most things are, they're, they're forgotten rather quickly. Um, we saw the Bundesliga happen. What were your kind of general, general sort of thoughts after a, a few games that have taken place now? Well, I watched the the very first um, Dortmund game, and it was weird for a little while, but I got used to it reasonably quickly. I'm sure you've been to reserve games and you've been to age representative games, and sometimes they're put in big stadiums and they're empty. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good to see everything back. Um, I think we all got suckered in to looking at the football when really the important thing was come Monday or Tuesday and when they then test again, mm. is there going to be some crazy outbreak? Unfortunately, like we hoped, um, the numbers were very low going in and then there weren't any you know, discernible problems um when i say problems like obviously we appreciate any one person getting the disease is horrible and you know that's that's bad but we're, we're talking about big picture and under you know even now we've done the premier league testing which i'm sure we'll talk about under one percent um positive and it looked like the bundesliga jack just gave us a blueprint to say Right, to all these people, what about the outbreak? What about this? What about the games ending 8-0 or whatever? Yeah. None, none of that happened. And as usual, the, the wonderfully efficient Germans showed us the way, I think. Yeah, I was listening to Andy Brassel on, um, on TalkSport yesterday. and He was kind of asked the question, what's the standard been like across all of the games? Because he's obviously a, a European football expert. He's watched pretty much all of the Bundesliga games. And I think he was quite, quite right in saying, the standard he's seen and we've all seen is far higher than he was expecting. And it goes to show, especially at the very top levels of the game, 
how finely tuned footballers are nowadays. They can go a couple of months. They can keep their, you know, their fitness up and their, and their diets and, and all of their kind of fitness regimes up and still come back. And within a few days, a few weeks of training, they're back to kind of where they left off. So I think that is less of a worry now because, as you say, some people worried the standard would drop. And from a personal point of view, I think I'm now more excited about the, the possible return of football. I was very much against um, football returning under the kind of current climate. And I thought until fans are back in the stadium, we should just, you know, write it off, void the season, whatever that may be. And the first um, week of the Bundesliga, I was a little bit, you know, cautious. I wasn't quite keen. The second week came around. I'm not quite sure if it was the sun was out. I had a beer. I saw <laughs> Benny Trebeni banging one in from 20. What a, what a goal, by the way. It was a great strike, wasn't it? And suddenly I'm, I'm really up for it again. And I think as the weeks go by and the more normal that the world feels again, shops are beginning to open, people are beginning to go back to work. I have now got that craving for football that I think a few weeks ago I, I didn't have. Is it is it the same for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I always, I try not to get into debates, but often end up getting into debates. And my standard, Jack, is always, what would a scientist say and what would stand up in the court of law? That's how I think you win or lose a debate. And okay. the one thing that those two um, standards for winning a debate need is evidence and no one had any evidence did they of you know is this going to go wrong are all the players going to get infected are they all going to get horrible muscle injuries within minutes and now we have lots of nice not anecdotal evidence actual statistical yeah. evidence and numbers and also with the um testing in the premier league you know not uh, what was it point two percent in the last test and obviously that was probably not including the six that um that had tested the previous week i would think they were still in isolation but these are really really low numbers um being asked to train in bubbles and we're going to get a vote on contact training and honestly um from the evidence i've seen it looks safe yeah definitely and you mentioned there about the kind of the teams going back to training. I've seen, you know, the videos from from Norwich only. I haven't really been watching other teams training in sort of isolation. I, I don't think that would quite uh, um, do it for me. But it seemed it, it looks relatively okay. Like I thought it was going to look really strange with players training on their own in little coned off squares. But I think the players will be quite happy to have returned as well, won't they? Absolutely. And I mean, you, you always hear about um, I don't know Paolo Di Canio or Cantona practicing on their own for an hour after everyone else has gone and Frank Lampard with his spikes on. And yeah. you, you've got a guy at Norwich. I bet Timu Puki's most important training is with mannequins hitting the corner of the... Well, he seems to hit the corner of the side yeah. netting, doesn't he? Low on the floor. So I, they'll, they'll, get, they'll get stuff out of it. I think it's just... You, you just need that week or two. It's going to be the same with retail and schools and garages. You need that week or two of... Right. This is this is how safe or unsafe it is. And um, uh, I'm going to say this as a quote, other people's words, but potentially safest working environment. Um, I'm sure uh, your job and my job, we're not all going to get a test and no. all of this before we go in. We're not going to be outdoors. We're, we'll likely be in bubbles, but um, 
yeah, it's it's looking positive, isn't it? Let's yeah. use that word positive or negative at the moment. It's looking good. <laughs> I saw a few <laughs> comments on your channel um, from the last one of these we did, and there are a lot of people who were saying they were kind of they worked in the construction in, industry or in supermarkets, and they were basically saying, and I can kind of understand, we've gone back to work. We haven't had testing. We're with members of the public every single day. How is that more safe than kind of footballers going back? And you know what? I kind of get it. You know, as you say, testing has happened. Um, they're they're going to be in very controlled, um, you know, atmospheres. It's pro- as you say, it's probably one of the safer industries to go to be going back. And why do they get the extra jack? Because you can't sell one of our commenters who works in Tesco's to Morrison's for 40 million quid, can you? So you can see why they, they are humans, but they're also massively, um, you know, expensive assets to, you know, to be able to move around and they want to be kept safe and, and healthy in that, in that respect. But yeah, the argument now starts to add up and we've got this June the 15th thing of, you know, if you work in sports direct, you're going, you're going back on June the, 15 so footballers are now not being asked to do anything that anybody else isn't being asked to do and in probably a safer environment yeah definitely was there anything from the the Bundesliga action you saw that you thought oh this is just a bit this isn't quite the same I know that it's very different without fans there but anything other than the lack of fans that you kind of saw and thought oh I'm not a fan of this yeah I don't know what you think about this it'd be interesting to get your comeback I think the propensity for a team to collapse in a game seems to be greater with yeah. with this behind cl- it seems that you can knock a team's confidence right down and i think we're going to i think a couple of things might happen i'd be interested to see if you agree um we might get quick bam 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 three goals in 10 minutes and i think someone's going to come back and lose all their games i don't know who it's going to be but someone is not going to be able to cope with you know, this new situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to get in their head. And we all know with football teams, once the head's gone, the yeah. you're out of position before you've even started. You you have the ball for 20 minutes and the first time the other team goes in the, you know, you, you rip switch 2018-19, aren't you? You know, yeah. the, the, uh, so what, what, what do you think about that? That that's one of the things I'm most looking forward to like a Liverpool returning and just being useless like how funny would that be and also Norwich could return and just be amazing that would be but there's there's a but you could present this argument that Liverpool's all based on intensity and pressing and the intensity is going to be less Norwich is based on pre-prepared patterns that are done on the training ground so you could you know you can you can argue that No, we've done this move a billion times, yeah. Massively. We've also got Tim Close, who's now fit. Onel Hernandez, who's now fit. Like that two-month, or the two-month break we're still currently in, it's heels players. We've had, you know, it could be exactly the thing that we needed. It probably won't be, but (laughs) who knows? It's it's really fascinating. Yeah, I've seen... Jack, what are the Norwich fixtures like? Sorry, just to interrupt. We've got a fairly favourable fixture list. We've got a lot of teams in and around us. Um... We've got Manchester City on the final day. So, um, look, people were, were, were very much criticising me on the last video that we did, saying, you know, how dare you say that it's all over for Norwich City? We're very much in this. I mean, a six-point gap seems a lot to make up, but all it takes is, you know, a, a run of five games without defeat and suddenly, suddenly you're back in it. It's form 
all well the previous form that we witnessed completely goes out of the window doesn't it and yep. suddenly it's a it's a very open game again and you're totally right that you can't sit there now and judge a six-point gap in this situation against a six-point gap when everything just flowed through normally fans were in stadiums yeah every team didn't have two months off or whatever so yeah literally anything could happen we'll be we'll be fascinated one thing that the Bundesliga has shown is that the, the cream does still rise I know you've got those two massively powerful I suppose reasonably similar in the similar in the Premier League you've got those two massively powerful teams who are able to stick four and five mm-hmm. goals in but um yeah down down the bottom um might be a bit different who knows definitely the, the other thing I've really loved and I didn't think I'd, I'd, um, this would be a thing. When the ball hits the back of the net, it makes that <laughs> a really crisp sound, doesn't it? And you don't get that on the television with with fans in the ground because the, the crowd noise sort of kind of muffled over it. But that sound of the ball hitting the net is just such a pure feeling. It's lovely. And that is a great example, Jack, of someone finding a positive in yeah. a negative. You'd never be able to, unless someone really got the microphones sorted out well and their sound mixed nicely and, you know, <laughs> someone's ripped one into the net but um you were you, on on twitter you were quite annoyed with um superstar turn erling Haaland being um a oh, bit autistic yes. um sorry i'm not i'm not i'm not using autistic um in in a negative sense but um it, you know with his one word yeah one word, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that an elite footballer would be you know on the autistic spectrum in terms of being able to repeat and being ob- to obsess about football. I, I, I really don't mean to offend anybody who's got... No, no, no. Um, I know. You know. My frustration with, with Haaland is, and it might not just be him, he's obviously rose to fame very quickly, still very young. He's a fantastic footballer. All of them things I do agree. And I, I was tweeted numerous times after that with the full interview. It was about a minute and a half. And there were some answers that went above sort of five words in, in respect. <laughs> Um, my frustration is yes he could be kind of socially awkward that's fine like people are he's a he's a footballer he's not like a a personality I get that it just it just seemed very rude in that and it wasn't just one isolated incident every interview I've seen him in he just seems to disrespect um the the journalist and a lot of people were tweeting me saying well you know it's not his kind of job to to come back with good responses to journalists footballers and the media are very closely intertwined. And if footballers disregard the media, disregard journalists, I can guarantee you they will start to turn on him. You treat the you know journalists well, they'll treat you well back, usually. Not always the case. And it was just kind of the smirk that he had after he was going off. And you could see him saying, oh, bad questions to, to um, the media kind of guys at Dortmund or whatever. I think he needs to be trained. I think he needs to have a senior player go up to him and just have a word with him and say, look, if you don't you know, start to tackle this soon, then it, it might become an issue. And if he really doesn't want to do them, let the, the, you know, the media team just put someone else up for interview. I'm, I'm sure... They want him though, don't they? It doesn't, like, it doesn't matter, I guess. Like, media teams have the, the kind of um, responsibility to put up who they want. Yes, in some, people's, in some players' contracts, they have obligations with the media to, to me but look it, ju- it just came across as rude to me and I understand that there, there could be issues there I understand that you know footballers don't have to be you know um do you think it might be fun though Jack if you if you compare him to the preeminent the two preeminent players of our generation where you've got Cristiano Ronaldo who's got this kind of um 
it's sort of arrogance, but it's not really arrogance because he yeah. is actually the best. And then you've got Messi, who's standard footballer, who's a little bit boring. Do you think it might be quite fun if he reaches that level to have this like provocateur who's just just a bit of a wind up? <laughs> it, well, the the player I think he's most like is Latam at the moment. Like Zlatan there you go, yeah. Kind of get away with it, couldn't he? And he came across as rude most of the time, but he had the ability to kind of have that aura. I don't know. I just think it doesn't take much to have manners and just be nice to people and it just seemed rude to me if the journalists think that he's being nice that's fine it's just a hell of a player though doesn't he oh phenomenal (laughs) i'd definitely take him at norwich (laughs) (laughs) hey i I think you need to get behind all the leeds fans in the in in the queue because they think because of the link because he was born in (laughs) leeds and he's son of an ex-leeds player but then he'd also be son of an ex-manchester city player by that yeah nottingham forest as well so um (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, I thought I just wanted to quiz you on it because I thought no, it was. I need, a I, and I needed something moment. to get angry about, didn't I? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, there's nothing to moan about, you know. Otherwise, so that was uh, <laughs> one thing to moan about. Sorry, um, sorry, Mr. Harland. Um, League One. What's going on? What's the latest with uh, Ipswich? Well, since we last spoke, um, we had the unholy alliance, didn't we? So. When, when we last spoke, it was very much, oh, nobody can agree, therefore everything's going to be kind of swept under the carpet. And then we had old mad Dara McAntony, um, him of the podcast, and tweeting a hundred times a day saying, well, I've got a list of clubs that, um, that want to play on, and it's yeah. Ipswich and Fleetwood and Oxford, um, Sunderland, uh, Pompey, one more... Oh, Peterborough, yeah, would be the sixth one, obviously. Um, that seems to have not really gone anywhere. Um, so they're at the point now where the EFL came out last week and said, right, this is what you're voting on. We're either going to curtail and uh, the season finishes on points per game. Uh, therefore, Wickham jumped to eighth. Ipswich okay. embarrassingly then dropped below Steve Evans' Gillingham into 11th position, the lowest finish since 1951, I believe. Ouch, indeed. Yes. Um, Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Mr. Lambert. Um, See if you can uh, spin that one back any particular way. Did you know he used to play for Dortmund? I don't know if he's mentioned it, but Uh, there you go. Actually, (laughs) I want to quickly mention something about Paul Lambert. It was amazing. So I was was driving yesterday in the car and had TalkSport on and they were interviewing Paul Lambert. It was Max Rushton and someone else. I can't remember who it was. And they had Paul on the phone and they chatted about the Bundesliga and when he played for Dortmund and what's it like. Did he play for Dortmund? Yeah, I don't think he was there for too long. Um, They may or may not have won a European Cup when he was there. I'm not sure if he's mentioned it. I think he's mentioned that a couple of times. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But anyway, they got through all the kind of generic questions and then they started going, Paul, like, how are you preparing for your co-commentary this weekend? You're co-commentating on the Bundesliga for TalkSport. Have you got your studio set up? Have you done all your research? And he was going along with it. He seemed a bit kind of reserved. And, you know, Max Rushton was plugging these questions. What microphone have you got? Things like this. Anyway, answers all the questions. Very polite. Um, Goes off the line. And then 10 minutes later, Max Rushton goes, "Um, do you want to apologise? Paul Lambert isn't co-commentating. I've got it mixed up. But the amazing thing was, Paul Lambert was just going along with all of it. He was like, yeah, I've got my microphone and everything. He's not doing it. It reminded me of that. Um, can you remember that BBC interview when they accidentally got the taxi driver? Amazing. In the studio. And he acted like he was the expert for like Apple or something. He, he just kept going along with these questions that were nothing to do with him. It was amazing. You can't, you can't budge 
can't badge Paul Lambert. He will not be. He will not be caught out in an um, in a, in a verbal exchange. But um, yeah, <laughs> going back to um, what we were saying. So the vote is either on um, curtail and points per game and playoffs. No extended playoffs, which is what Dara and the Unholy Alliance wanted. Basically, where are Peterborough and Sunderland? That many teams go into the playoffs. It seemed to be um, that way. Um, they're still moaning about it, but we're going to have the vote now. And you then start to figure out how people are going to vote. Dara McAntony and uh, Marcus Evans and um, that lot are still arguing that for the bigger clubs, it will cost them more money to refund season tickets and sponsorship deals than it will to stop. Unfortunately for them, with, with the way it's laid out, why, if you're Coventry... Would you keep going? Why, if you're Rotherham, would you keep going? Yeah. You stop and you're promoted. Yeah. Why, if you're AFC Wimbledon, um, whoever's just above the relegation zone, you want to stop of and you're safe, don't you? So, unfortunately, this seems to have put a lot of um, a lot of teams on notice to say, "Well, we let's just let's just yeah, stop." Yeah. And unless you're Tranmere and you're you've won three on the trot and you're 21st and you think you can get out of it you want to continue yeah. or if you're peterborough and you're just outside the playoffs or doncaster you want to continue but let's just say there's not going to be the influences leaning on league one teams to continue that there will be leaning on championship and pre- i think we all know what i mean by that yeah. but that there's a hundred million reasons why the premier league are going to be leaned on to and then the championship going into that so um it looks like my hunch is it will be curtailed and you'll have Wickham versus Fleetwood and uh Pompey and Oxford in the playoffs with Coventry and Rotherham but then again Jerry Barton out he comes and he says Rotherham have won the lottery they had six of the top 10 to play their points per game would be the lowest of any automatically promoted team so It'll it'll run and run, but I think it's getting cancelled in the next couple of days, and we'll go straight to playoffs. And sadly for Tranmere, they're going to go down on points per game with Bolton and Southend. And it so with that, um, you know, with that way with the season finishing, does that mean that Peterborough wouldn't make the playoffs? Did you say Peterborough would not make that the playoffs? That seems like remarkably harsh, doesn't it? Um. On points per game, they're not one of the top six teams in And, and, and are we saying points per game and the weighted points per game system is is the fairest way of? Um, it's unweighted, by the way. It's yeah, they're not they're not yeah they're not going for the for the weighted. It's it's unweighted. I don't know what the rationale behind. Well, maybe they just didn't see enough significant difference, and enough people would have. I, I think the argument is that the the less amount of arbitrary predictive things that you put in yeah. the decision the better but if you're going to do that just use the use the table as it is but essentially yeah you still have that you know Wickham have the game in hand and the stupid thing is if Wickham win the game in hand they're literally on the same points in second they go from eighth to to second and it's only the goal difference that keeps them out of the out of the top two but no um yeah Peter Brew will cry foul um Sunderland miss out, won't they as well? And so, yeah, who would have predicted no Peterborough, no Ipswich, no Sunderland in the in the yeah. top six? You'd yeah. have got very good odds on on that bet at the start. Oh, you would know, yeah. Um, as as a as a fan of a club who 
looks like the season will be cancelled. Do you think it's going to be slightly odd for you that there's going to be, you know, football leagues continuing across the world, but your team isn't playing? Does that feel slightly strange to you? Well, we've made our bed. We've got to lay in it. Years of operational decisions that's put <laughs> us in League One, Jack. That um, this your you <laughs> this, uh, oh, it seems like we've been punished for uh, I remember having this conversation with the great Harry from Bath and he's like what have we done in a previous life to deserve this last 15 years of, of whatever has, has happened no um, it is what it is um, Ipswich have lost seven of the last nine games I mean that's, that's people, Ipswich fans could see this as a blessing that you don't have to watch Paul Lambert football <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and I did hear an interesting thing on um, Kieran's podcast. He's talking about David Moyes, Jack. And I know you asked me about okay. the Lambert contract. And he said David Moyes signed a deal that meant if he finished outside of sixth place, um, that they only, the severance was only one year's. And I'm, that could be, that could make sense of, of all our question as to why they gave the contract. If Lambert received a pay rise, but his severance was then cut to six months or a year, depending on. So effectively, you're you're saving money by giving him a pay rise on the basis if he fails on the pitch, your total liability is less. And if he succeeds on the pitch, well, you you're you're going to make the more money in in revenue, etc. But um, no, they've been they've been poor, haven't they? They've been inconsistent. Um, points per game. I'm afraid. It's, people don't like points per game. It doesn't lie, does it? No, that's true. That's true. You know, so um, it, it's just very, very difficult. And um, you just start to look at next season and think, I, I would have thought, and I, I, I don't like myself for saying it, that we'll be at some kind of advantage because I can just, I can see a few. Um, remember when Rotherham, uh, had Warnock survived and just took the money out and mm. were just terrible. And, yeah. you know, when teams finish with 20 points, I think there might be some teams have massive budget cuts and are going to be putting out players who aren't ready to be there but want to save their clubs. I think there might be some whipping boys in League One yeah. next season. It's a real shame. And we keep reading these, you know, damning reports and, and owners coming out and saying that clubs just and not going to survive this time. You know, loans will have to be repaid. You know, wages can only be deferred for a certain amount of time. I think it was the Huddersfield owner the other day came out and, and he was basically, you know, that reading wasn't wasn't pretty. I've heard someone on TalkSport yesterday say that he thinks 40 to 50 clubs um, will, will, will go out of business at, at some point. It's, look, it's not fair what has happened. Um, and, and unfortunately, someone has to be making the decisions at the top and, and whatever them decisions may be, it's going to annoy some people. But Jack, do I want my club to die or me put out 16-year-old kids on 200 quid a week? I'm going to put the 16-year-old kids out, take the massive yeah. relegation. You know, we saw the Bolton results at the start of the season. I just wonder whether without a Premier League bailout, and then you get into the debate of why should the Premier League bailout... Um, Clubs in the EFL, when we have Mr. Chancery and Mr. Morris and, you know, those type of um, situations where they've spent lots and lots of money already. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you do have the worry that you could get a very... I mean, League One's already kind of uneven. There's already the haves and have-nots. And without patronising these clubs, look at a Sunderland compared to an AFC Wimbledon. It's like a 
Premier League club and a, a fourth or fifth tier club out outperforming their their size. So yeah, you you could get people talk about integrity. You could get a very you could get three teams with ninety plus points and three teams with under twenty points next season. Yeah. Um, but I'd rather they scored nineteen points than they went out of business. Massively. And I think it just goes to show, doesn't it, that the, the past few months, even the most powerful businesses and powerful football clubs, when you strip them back, are actually quite fragile. Um and and, and bad things can happen. Anyone's fragile if you take all their revenue away, Jack. Yeah, that's very true. Even Mr. Amazon would be. Well, yes, yeah, but he's uh Mr. Bezos. He's doing okay, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's doing all right. He's doing all right, that man. And you know what? I'm not surprised. The amount of nonsense I've ordered off Amazon in the past <laughs> in the past two months. Um, what have I got? I've got a little um, bag for under my saddle on my bike coming today. I don't really need it. I just thought, you know, I can put a spare inner tube in there or something. It might look snazzy. Um, You've got some, some rattan garden furniture that also needed, needed building. Yes. Uh, How's the building process? Awful. Absolutely awful. Well, I mean, look at the state of me. Look, do, I, do I look like a manly DIY man? Um, my missus is better at it than me, but she's so she adds the instructions and then I, I'm no good with a screwdriver or a spanner, am I? I'm a blooming musician and, you know, camp weirdo. So, yeah, it, it was dreadful. But we didn't fall out, Jack. You, well, you quite like it, don't you? The whole, the whole well, I, no, I don't like it. I, yeah, I think you're better at it than me, though. The last bit of DIY I did, I was putting a radiator cover together. You know, the, the, they just make radiators look slightly nicer. And I'd put one together in the lounge, but we'd ordered a, a different design one for the hallway. And it's smaller, so I thought, oh, this will be easy. So I put on your podcast with Kieran Maguire. I thought, it's an hour and 10 minutes long. I'll easily be finished in this time. You know, I could probably knock up, you know, enough for the whole of the village. Um, it <laughs> was actually a lot tougher. And I got to a point where I had to pause you and Kieran because you, the noise was just, you know, it was confusing. And I didn't know which bits went in where. And it, Oh, and it Kieran all- could put you off most things um and, and we do acknowledge where we're having this slightly facetious chat that many people in this lockdown have had worse problems than building oh, yeah, flat absolutely. pack flat pack furniture but we're, we, we're just trying to bring a little bit of lightness here aren't we Jack? Okay. <laughs> definitely um let's get a question from elliot warsfield he says when games are started again do you believe fans will congregate at the stadiums to support their teams um hopefully not if they're told it's illegal and they're told you know, by their clubs not to do it, then no, why Why would they? And you, surely you're putting yourself in danger of catching the virus if you if you do that. It's been, I don't, it's been annoying you, Jack, that, that suggestion that our football fans are so dumb that, and I know people quote the PSG example, but we didn't know a lot about how this virus yeah. spread when the PSG fans um, congregated. So I would hope that without being too heavy-handed, that the police... And the football authorities would say, support your team, watch on the TV, do not come outside the games. We're going to have to deploy some police. You'll be arrested if you congregate. Go away, stay home. And we might get this free-to-air, free-to-air nonsense term, but um, we might get some games on the BBC or... um, or um, the other terrestrial channels. What do, what do you think? Well, I keep I keep seeing people suggesting this, and I, just, I don't I don't get the point of it. Like, what you're gonna you can't see the pictures at the at the majority of sort of Premier League grounds. So, what's the point in congregating? What to hear like Teamy Pookie kind of scream when he when he blazes one mind? Nice I, noise of the net, Jack, that you well, talked about. 
sure it sounds better on, on the television. Uh, the, the one alternative for Norwich fans, you could maybe book a room in the Holiday Inn and watch it out of the window. But I don't know if hotels will be open. That's interesting. Well, I don't, like, it's a possibility, isn't it? If you're that desperate to watch it. That could be the one place in the Premier League you could see Premier League football. How many rooms view the pitch there? There's quite a few. I think there's probably 20-odd. And can you see, the, surely the scoreboard and stuff's in the way, isn't it? Yeah, oh, that's a good point, actually, yeah. They'll angle it right round as well, <laughs> won't they, to, to, block, to block it all off. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. There must yeah. be other places. You always see people, you know, if you're at Charlton, and I mean, it's literally called the Valley, and there's the tower blocks, isn't there? Yes. You can, you can see in bits and bobs from there, can't you? I remember that's West Ham good, as well. That's a good question for the comment section. What grounds are, what would have the best viewing facilities when you're not in the ground? Like, what grounds could actually work? We're not condoning going and standing outside. Blackburn on the hill. Remember the Man City fans on the yeah. hill at, at Blackburn years ago? What what I've been saying, Jack, is if it's safe and I run Leeds United and they play on, I'm I'm opening the hospitality boxes. Golden ticket. You could be one of 100 people if you can safely be in hospitality. I bet even if they said one person per box, you'd get... You get oh, enough yeah. Leeds fans who pay ten grand or something yeah. to watch the game that got them. It'd be interesting to see if things like that happen. Whether they will say, "Look, hospitality boxes." I know you'll get normal fans saying, "Oh, if we can't come in, but do you want your clubs to make any money or or not?" And I, I think they'll uproar. They're <laughs> uproar. What about the cottage in Fulham as well? Yes. Open that up on the corner there, can't you? That would be that would be a good. I'm sure the commercial teams at Norwich are thinking of that. You know, a Delia pie, some some chips, behind and a glass box for five grand, and there'll be people laughing up. Can you watch from behind a glass at Norwich? Well, I know the rules yeah. say you you can't, but I'm sure um, these are exceptional times. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we, we we're being a little bit facetious, but if you want to get people into into grounds, then surely the safest places are the hospitality box. Drops the reopening, then there's surely nothing to say that you can't. Reopen things. I don't know. That's a, that's a. You can tell you've you've got a business mind. <laughs> Why am I not richer then? Yeah. And uh, with shirts like that, I think people will be questioning and saying you are. It's, you've got no, enough. it's not Dolce and Gabbana. Honestly, I've been asked. It's not. No, it's a. It's like H and M or something. Well, what? I'll, I'll counter that with why am I building my own rattan? <laughs> I'm not true. doing my own stapling. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Joel Hansen asks, with the, uh, will the current pandemic affect the ever-rising market prices and how will that impact upon both Norwich and Ipswich? Who benefits? That's a really good question. They were saying yesterday, I was listening to a podcast and they said, it's going to be really interesting to see who makes the first big money signing, like that 50, 60 million pound. Well, that's that's good value in the current market, isn't it? Like, But, you know, multi-millions of, of, of pounds. Because that, again, will, will attract criticism from the people who are saying, well, you can afford £60 million on a player, but you were furloughing your staff. So who's going to be bold enough to, to go out there and make them big signings at the moment? Well, football clubs have never been afraid to annoy the little people, have they? So I'm sure they, if, they, if they see an opportunity. From a Norwich and an Ipswich point of view, um, without smacking completely of self-interest, it should be... I would think both clubs are in a position and Norwich's decision now to not blow a load of their TV money at the start of the season is looking yeah. smarter with 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 hindsight now as well because, you know, they haven't got a whole load of liabilities that they're now going to lose a load of money on in a depressed market. You would think that um, whichever way that Norwich should be in a strong position, if they stay up, then 
100 million TV money. Brilliant. Um, Bob's your uncle. If they if they go down, uh, parachute money and the ability to sell, God, could, uh, I'm sure Norwich, even in a depressed market, could raise a fair amount of money. And then from an Ipswich point of view, it sounds very selfish and very mean, but we've just said Ipswich are in a division with Rochdale, AFC, Wimbledon, um, small clubs without patronising them. And um, if I open up this booklet here, Jack, <laughs> you might see their owner in there. So um, you would think you think Ipswich would be okay. The only um, both Ipswich and Norwich are very secure on contracts, and uh, Norwich exceptionally so. I've seen a, a graphic that one of your boys did um, of all the contracts. So they've both got big, you know, biggish squads. Without that's that's good for Norwich, but I think bad for Ipswich because Ipswich. Norwich's squad looks well protected, whereas Ipswich's looks a bit bloated. And, you know, you might have to take a hit on, you know, a couple, you know, Will Keane, that looks like it's done, and Danny Rowe and a, a few players like that. But I think both of those clubs would be in a position where others in the league they're in will be, will be worse off. What's your view? Yeah, Matt, I think from my, you know, simple thinking brain, I think especially for Norwich and Ipswich, everything's sort of relative. So for Norwich's examples, we might lose a bit of money on the sales of Buendia and Godfrey, whoever we decide to sell. But then hopefully that will even out with, you know, the players we're looking to sign being either easier to, to attract to Norwich or it will cost us less money. And like you say, Norwich have run incredibly well. So, you know, finances aren't a massive worry. I mean, every club will take a significant hit, but Norwich are in a place where we can handle that hit and take the blows. You look at an Aston Villa or, or someone who, like you say, have spent considerable amounts of money to try and stay in the Premier League. If for whatever reason that doesn't work and, and they then go down and then they have to sell their assets for deflated prices you're suddenly in a situation that you didn't really expect or want to be in so yeah I think I mean I know less about sort of Ipswich's finances than Norwich but I think we're both in a, a fairly okay position I think. Are we now contractually obliged to call in the same way Ipswich became Roy Keane's Ipswich and Norwich now self-funded Norwich City because oh, every time I yeah, <laughs> every yeah. time I hear Daniel Farker or Stuart Weber they really hammer home that it's, it's us and Burnley. We're flying. We're flying yeah. the flag here. I, 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 I mock gently, but I do have admiration. That's the that's the only issue Norwich would have against uh, an Aston Villa or yeah. somebody else coming down. Is yes, Villa. Some would say exploited the loan the loan system given within the the wage bills, and then literally had to spend 100 million just to have the team that got them promoted, yeah. didn't yeah. they? But you just these big clubs always find a way, don't they? They they were in a perilous state. I know. Villa under Dr. Tony and the investors Tony. will always come in, um, yeah. always come in for those big clubs. They just wave that thing on the, on the stand of the European Cup winning goal and yeah. someone gets misty-eyed and buys it, don't they? I've never quite understood that term, self-funded. Like someone's always funded by... I know. I, Never quite understand it. I don't know. I think it's just, I think they're just pointing to the fact that they're one of the few teams without a massively wealthy owner who, I mean, let's be honest, where would Ipswich be without the six million quid um, check that Marcus Evans writes every year? Mm -hmm. And uh, lots of Ipswich fans, are, you know, wouldn't be happy because 
yes, Marcus Evans' operational decisions have been pretty hapless at times. Um, but where would they be without, you know, that? Yeah. Oh, some people would argue that sometimes the extra finances are noose around your neck. And you've said about Norwich before, you spent way better when you had no money. Yeah. And yeah. There was no Pritchard or um, Naismith, Naismith yeah. Van Wolfswinkle, you know, That's whoever then. So who knows? But, but my general argument is, would, would you rather have a six million bailout every year or not? <laughs> Give me the six million quid, you know. Of course. Uh, okay, one last question from from the YouTube comment section. Just give me two minutes to read this because it's quite a long yeah, one. And I appreciate James Kenwin, uh, Kenwin putting in such an effort with this. So he asks, why if we have no vaccine until 2021, do we not pick, just pick everything back up again on the same date ending, but a year later? I mentioned this to a mate and he said contracts, but to me, everyone agrees this is a crappy situation. I'm sure if you give players, all players, a one-year extension or reduced salary extension, they would say they would rather that than the idea of playing with silly rules in June. All leagues, Europe-wide, should and could follow the same pattern. So then it's a case of everything waits one year, just like the war times. We, call, we just call the season 2019 to 2021, and we have none of these arguments. Also, one final point. The money men, such as the Sky people in the world, would simply give the money back or pause rights payments until it starts again. Surely they would be open to this as well. It just seems like the sensible option, safe and more importantly, fair. Thoughts? I I fully respect the spirit of the question um, from James, wasn't it? But big business just doesn't work like that. I'm afraid it really doesn't. It's just how many businesses can afford to just stop. And uh, what, unfortunately, what would happen if you do that is either the businesses will go bust because um, you can't, you can't mothball a football club. You still need to pay, still need to pay the groundsman. Social media team still needs to work. The players still need to train to stay fit for when they, when they do come. So it would either be the clubs would go bust or the employees would go bankrupt and when I saw the question I thought I thought about Todd Cantwell I thought right if I'm Todd Cantwell yeah um I'm in and around the team I've done really really well and did he get a new contract I'm sure he must have had a new contract yeah he has a yeah right so Todd Cantwell in the last year his pay's probably gone up by 400 percent that's a, a, a reasonable guess so if I'm Todd Cantwell I'm probably gonna go and buy my mum a house yeah or buy myself a house thinking I've done it. I've worked my ass off. I'm a Premier League footballer. I've done really well. I can do this. Um, Todd Campbell will go bankrupt if, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's just, you know, presumably bought a huge house and he's not going to be able to work for a year. I know that's a kind of spurious example, but that's that's well, what we're talking though, about. Like, I thought you were going to go on a slightly different track then. I was thinking the other day, footballers have very short careers. If you're a Todd Campbell and you're in the form... You won't agree to stop. <laughs> Do you want to take over a year out of your career? No, of course you no. don't. You want to just keep trundling on. And um, look, I get the spirit there. And in an ideal world, if no one was was to oh, be brilliant, mature, yeah, that would be you know would be fantastic. But like you say, it's not just the players that clubs need to keep you know on the books. They've got massive financial teams. They've got you know loads and loads of employees more than more than we realize and by that point the furlough scheme will be over like 
clubs will just make everyone redundant and then you're in an even bigger mess. So, yeah, James, I, one, that's a fantastic comment um, and well done for writing out. I'm sure it took you a little while. But, yeah, I, like you said, I don't think that kind of uh, the spirit's there. But uh, oh, it'd be, It would be great. Um, uh, but now, you know, we were talking about evidence earlier. We, we're, we're collecting evidence to say that it could be safe. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, obviously the silly rules he's talking about is, you know, masks on the subs bench, five subs now, um, all of this, you know, all of this other business that's going on, micing yeah. up the micing up the dugouts or whatever. But, you know, Mourinho swearing. I, I thought it was going to be more kind of um, w- would take more emphasis away from the pitch. But I, I don't really care if the subs are wearing masks. Like The, the standard of play seems similar yes you know they can't hug when they celebrate and stuff and it all seems slightly robotic but it hasn't affected me watching that as as much as i thought it would i don't know about you yeah there's a lot of muscle memory isn't it these guys they repeat these drills day in day out some of them for 15 20 years when they when they get on the pitch they like you said they know what they're doing they're elite sportsmen they're and i think you made a really good point um some argue that the likes of you and I, mere mortals, we can't relate to the level of competitiveness and the drive that this that these these people have. And you know, I'll reference the Michael Jordan documentary and all of that coming out. You're right. Yeah. You don't tell people with massive drive and determination who want to crush you in every game that they play against you. You can't tell them they're going to stop for a year. They, they just won't. Definitely. Um, okay, let's end on a maybe a happier note for me and a, and a slightly less happier note for you. It was five years ago yesterday since our playoff final success over Middlesbrough. Um, playoff final memories. What's your kind of uh, what, what pops to your mind when you think of the well, playoffs? I was just really interested in the two sides of the Ipswich Norwich divide and how they would view the playoffs really because. Um, from my outsider's view on Norwich, obviously there was the final defeat, wasn't there, under Nigel Worthington yeah. um, against Birmingham. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, us Ipswich fans always have this idea that if Norwich even get the slightest sniff of promotion, they win the league and they <laughs> they go we, they go up, you know. But um, and then what what I would consider a very different experience, whereby. Um, Norwich were up in the Premier League for three years, was yeah. it? Or, um, uh, yeah, three years, yeah. Yeah, and then come down and uh, we get the Neil Adams stroke Alex Neil season. Yeah. And there's this, it must be just a very, very different feeling. There's this sense of, right, they've kept a lot of the Premier League players. They've they've backed the club with very good wages. They've mm. changed the manager there must have been a bit of a sense for you guys that season of right we we sh- you know we should be at an advantage here as a po- you know and um i mean it was done in about 10 15 minutes the easiest win yeah the but, final um obviously there's the um semi final which we which we won't mention <laughs> but um you know got 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 through that um, <laughs> just about uh but just I, w- I wanted your kind of thoughts on it compared to my experience in the early 90s, uh, late 90s, excuse me, of uh, semi-final lose, semi-final lose, semi-final lose, this massive, huge, huge chase um, and this glorious, glorious day in the final. Um, 
what, what, how, how do you compare and contrast the the kind of the the two situations there and how how we can look back at these anniversaries? Yeah, for from a Norwich point of view, that playoff success from the semi-finals that I know you want to kind of gloss over <laughs> and and the final it was just perfect for Norwich and I think people forget the final we had against Middlesbrough people remember it for just being over in kind of 15 minutes basically right, you played really well didn't yeah, you yeah we played some fantastic football but we'd lost to Middlesbrough at home and away that season we, we got crushed 4-0 away from home at the Riverside it was a really cold Tuesday night and, and Patrick Bamford scored a couple of goals that night um, and then <laughs> he's, played... he's never far away is he <laughs> no he's not and then we played Middlesbrough I think it was the second or third last game of the season and they won I think it was Alex Tete own goal it was 1-0 it was very scrappy and then when we got to the final we were like Middlesbrough were a very good side that season they had some you know it was a really well drilled squad and, and we didn't expect to, to for it to be that easy but having heard um the the stories from the players that day they knew that they were going to win that the, the Middlesbrough coach turned up late their preparation was poor on the flip side you know Norwich went into that off the back of a great semi-final win the preparation was was spot on Russell Martin got them players you know in a really good place and 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 the football we played that second half of that season was phenomenal because we dropped down to I think 14th place under under Neil Adams at, at point in that championship season so that was brilliant um but then you get back into the Premier League with a very similar squad to the one that got relegated. And then once we got relegated again, it was like, well, actually, did we need a bit more time to just rebuild, get rid of some of the more experienced players on the higher wages who maybe weren't up for the fight of the Premier League again? So I think in some ways, bouncing straight back can be damaging in a, in a sense. And and we've had questions before in terms of is it beneficial to kind of stay in the lower divisions longer to then go through that rebuilding process. And we've seen it with Norwich and Farker and Weber. We didn't bounce back straight uh, back first time. Um, and then we had time to rebuild. And I think we've probably come back in a stronger position, both on the pitch and financially. So I guess the question for Ipswich fans is, is your time in League One at the moment one of a beneficial one and, and it is there time to regroup and 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 get rid of dead wood and and you know set new targets to then come back arguably stronger that's the that's the hope isn't it that's the potential yeah. upside that you go down you you recalibrate you retool and you have a you have a run at it it's just so fascinating to me how different the the two promotions are and i'd be so interested to get a get a view whether Norwich fans would take the Ipswich way of failing, 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 but then you get a fifth place finish the next season because the team you've built that's so good. Or whether Ipswich fans would take the Norwich way of, look, just just get up. And then, as you've just said, oh, Alex Neal didn't have time to figure anything out. And then immediately he's thrown into very, very hard games in the in the Premier League. Um, and then you throw in the fact that um, uh, Mick Mills kind of puts this really well on Radio Suffolk, that at the time Norwich did it, this this just get up thing is so important because it sets your club money-wise for years afterwards. And it's what he said about Marcus Evans. One promotion to the Premier League, Marcus Evans' debts are wiped. Yeah. yeah 11 it's... years of debts. So I'd just be interested. Would... Would a Norwich fan swap to get that one glorious season, but then the crash afterwards? Would an Ipswich fan 
swap and, and, and bounce to be financially stable. It's so interesting. I don't think anyone would ever swap that feeling of winning a playoff you know, final. I, I, I wasn't there in, in 2002. I was too young. But I can imagine that was as much of a crushing blow as it is. You know, you go the whole season, which leads to one game. And, you know... And e- extra time as well. And extra time. 30, 30 minute shootout for promotion. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it's, you know, that must be such a, a blow that's really hard to get over. And, and we arguably didn't get over it for, for, you know, a couple of seasons. And then... That feeling of, of, of success in 2015 for, for me was, and, and all Norwich fans was just so special. And yes, you know, the, the season that then followed wasn't great. Um, and the squad we had, you know, it was it was hard to connect to them in, in, in a certain way. But um, yeah, I don't think we'd ever I don't think we'd ever swap that for, for sure. Um, I mean, look how, you know, Ipswich could be if, if you would have scraped past us and then. And then had that Middlesbrough side in, in the final. I think you would have refactored yourselves to a certain extent. Pat, Pat Bamford would have scored off his ass in the 91st minute. <laughs> There's a stat, one of my favourite stats in, in recent times. Patrick Bamford failed to record a touch in our half in that whole game. Oh, you can find some. I, I did a, a video on Pat Bamford and um, his record. He's a very unlucky player, let's just say, with relegations and losing. Yeah. He's lost in the playoffs. Um, and he came on in the final for Derby when Zamora scored at the end. He lost in the final um, against you. He lost in the semis last year, and I think in the season in between, he was relegated with with Borough. He's a nice... He just seems like he was rubbish for us, and he just seemed really... No, but he got relegated for you as well, didn't he? That's another one on the thing. Yeah, he did, actually. Yeah, Yeah. he did. Um, but yeah. no, I'm just really interested because Ipswich fans, really, that's that's all we've got um, as a great memory for for the last, you know, well, it's going to be 20 years in a few days. That's that's the thing. It's well, you know, in my supporting time, I saw the team win at Wembley and then yeah. finish fifth in the Premier League and get into get into Europe. And it, I just I'm just interested to see, obviously. You know, sadly for the rivalry, um, Norwich have had what four, three, four promotions yeah, since four. then. One under Worthington, two under Lambert, and then Farker. no, one under Neil and one under Farker. Yeah. Five, yeah. yeah, but promotions to the Premier League, yeah, yeah. Um, four in four indeed. So, um, it just how it how it all sits, um, yeah. kind of interests me. And all, all these um, all these anniversaries are, are coming up now, aren't they? Massively. Um, I think that's probably all for, for, for this week, isn't it? I mean, we've got more football. I think there's Polish football on um, <laughs> on uh, free ter- terrestrial television this week. Sound like Paul Merson on our Skyvet app. It's like, what football can I? What football can I? Can I find? But it's Dortmund and uh, Bayern tonight, isn't yeah. it? The, yeah. Which will be the and that will be an interesting one, Jack. Is can you have this super match? You know. Um, and will it still carry the same gravitas? Um, you know, they're in a title race, they're first and second. And uh, th- th- maybe some of these games that Norwich will have coming up, you know, these sort of to get out of the bottom three shootouts that they yeah. would with fans there. So that'll be an interesting watch tonight. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, sport will hopefully be, you know, gradually returning Um from from now on. So that's good. Um, what are you actually putting more furniture together or? <laughs> That's tremendous. I've I've got to write some school reports um, oh, and 
Yeah, no. Um, hopefully, we'll get some news, and I'll be able to get a you know a, a kind of news video up at some point. Because other than Mr. Cummings, it was very quiet yesterday on the news front. But we've got the votes coming through. Um, I'm just readying myself to to go back to work. Um, but we should still be able to. Um, the, the the plan is on these um, cross channel chats that while there's no actual football, we'll we'll keep them going. So we we should be able to fit more in um Definitely. as we come up to what june the 12th june the 19th june the 26th whatever it moves back to but um and then hopefully we're well, certainly from your point of view you're going to be go again definitely yeah all uh all yeah all good to go again well ben thanks very much mate and uh if you've enjoyed watching please do hit the like button and subscribe and feel free to let us know what you thought of the video down in the comments section below see you again next week Bye-bye. Wonderful.